It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every day, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show. I'm your host, Ron Johnson. On today's episode of the Ron Johnson Show, I'm super excited. We got Ryan Clark, former 13-year NFL bet, vet, Super Bowl champion Ryan Clark, ESPN's Ryan Clark. Make sure you stick around for that interview. I know he's going to be fire. We also are going to talk NFL draft. We're going to talk a little while later in the Daily Three as well and some of the other topics. It is the wild playoff day. They are headed to the playoffs. They did win home ice advantage. The Twins, they're still playing. The Timberwolves, unfortunately, they're done. But we are, of course, going to always talk about what's next for the Timberwolves with D'Angelo Russell. But let's jump into this with the first round draft pick of the Minnesota Vikings is... And everybody knows it was Lewis Seen out of Georgia. Now, watching the fans, first of all, at U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, I was at the draft party. Extremely weird. And as I bring Sam Extraman, my producer, Sam, the draft party, we've talked about this. Uh, everybody's talked about this. People shown uh, the reaction. It wasn't the best reaction when, when they traded back 20 picks in the first round not only that and because of who they traded with somebody within their division in your opinion do you think trading because i said trading back in every mock i did on our show in the trade i traded back i didn't trade back far enough clearly what is your opinion on the trade back yeah i think you kind of have to look at the whole of the parts right because it wasn't just one trade back it's two trade backs so the deal with detroit you passed over a lot of talent in those 20 picks. I mean, there are a lot of really good players that went off the board from 12 to 32, and you'll look down the road at all of that talent that, that you might have let slip through your fingers. But on the same token, it is Detroit, and mm -hmm. Detroit's not necessarily competitive yet. They're not really your rival in this division. Um, it's harder to take that as seriously as that Packers trade back, where you know Green Bay wants a weapon for Aaron Rodgers, and they have – a, a legitimate weakness at wide receiver going into this draft. So you allow them to come up to 34 and get a receiver that they absolutely wanted and who looks like he's going to be pretty good in the NFL. And you, you did help him out. Now I know Quasi Dofomensa circled back and said, well, they were probably going to make a deal anyway. Maybe that's true, but they made it with you. They made it with the Vikings. So mm -hmm. the Vikings will always be connected to Christian Watson Twice a year, we get to write the articles about, about Christian Watson, uh, the one the Packers traded up for. And we'll get to mm -hmm. write the articles about Jamison Williams, too, with the Lions. So four games a year, the Vikings will have to look at the receiver that they allowed that team to jump up and draft. Yeah, and, and so some of those names, like you said, in, in between 12 and 32, um, I don't think everyone is going to be somebody we can look at and moan and groan, but it's going to happen because that's what Vikings fans do. Jamison Williams, if he ends up being great out of Alabama, people are going to be like, man, we should have just took him and, and partnered him with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in that first year. Jordan Davis, the big D tackle. He, he could play in this start in his 3-4 defense. Uh, Kyle Hamilton. We're going to have a direct impact conversation all the time about the Ravens, Kyle Hamilton, and the Vikings, Lewis Seen. 
which was the better pick. Uh, you got Johan uh, Dotson out of Penn State, the receiver. Uh, if you drop down, Kenny Pickett, some of those. Now, I did say try to trade with the Steelers. We knew the Steelers wanted a quarterback. If they traded up, they would have went and got Kenny Pickett. I would have just reached out to see what they'd be willing to do because they really want their quarterback. You could scare them in thinking like, hey, I know you guys want a quarterback. I do hear X could have been the you could have said the Texans. The Texans are asking us for our pick, but we know we'd rather get it from you because we want the second round pick if that worked. Kenny Pickett, I don't think that's going to matter to us. Trip McDuffie, a cornerback, that's going to matter. The one I thought to, Kyer Elam, because he's the corner taken after where I thought the Vikings should have dropped down to, which was 20. Now, of course, Trip McDuffie went after, so we can look at both. But Kyer Elam, we're going to actually see him with the Buffalo Bills this year. So that'll be another one. Um, I He interviewed well. I like the fact that he had notes. And he talked about that stuff. Like, here's some mistakes I made. Here's some ways I could have got better. So you got Kyer Elam. You got Tyler Linderbaum. He could have been the staple at center for the Vikings if they had decided to just go get their guy and they moved on from Garrett Bradbury. So we'll look at him and, you know, what happens with him. Again, with the Ravens, you look at Lamar Jackson. Is this going to be his staple? Um, you got an offensive guard in Cole Strange that people are saying that the, the, the New England Patriots had the worst draft ever. So we'll see. Uh, what he ends up being, he's kind of a tackle and a guard. He's a swing guy. Uh, but if he comes out and starts and becomes a pro bowler for the Patriots, everybody, of course, is going to say, unless unless the Vikings' Ed Ingram can come in and start this year at guard and do well, that's going to be another one that are going to make people want to look at it. Some of these other ones, uh, Dexter Hill from Michigan, uh, he was a safety taken right before Lewis Seen. It's funny, everybody's talking about Lewis Seen versus Kyle Hamilton. Nobody's talking about uh daxton hill hill out of michigan um and so i i like the thought of what the vikings did you went out and got a hitter you went out and got a guy to partner with harrison smith um i i liked it i didn't mind it i i do think they could have got more to drop back 20 picks with the lions and give the lions that big of a jump up um maybe the moment was too big you know, it was a quick, you know, like, hey, up, we got to get this done. Let's let's see who can, what we can get. If that seemed like the best deal for what they wanted, fine. They end up trading up. Nobody talked about that when they traded up um, to go get a guy they wanted. Everybody talked about the trade down. Uh, but you get Andrew Booth. You know, he, in my opinion, I know that was another guy everybody talked about. Uh, the injuries, I think, for him changed it. Um, Derek Stingley was over to overcome his injuries, but you got Andrew Booth who – you know, did not, but he said he's been hurt. He felt like his entire college career, which I don't know mm -hmm. if I would have said that, um, but he does feel healthy now. And so I think that's a guy that's going to come in and compete and probably start. Um, you look at second round picks for the Vikings. They've, they, they've fared pretty well. Brian O'Neill and Dalvin Cook to name the first early two that I can think of, um, or the, or sorry, the latest. And I think that he can come in and be that guy. Um, I think he can come in and, and play in this defense. Yeah, he's confident. He's at a school that has a coach that coaches like an NFL team. Um, but Sam, I mean the fans. How how like what would the I don't understand like what what so let's say this let's 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 put it let's put you in a DeLorean. You're mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox. What could you go back and do to make the fans happy? Is it drafting just going ahead and drafting somebody like Jamison Williams at 12? Because the injury is going to come up. People are going to be like, well, he's not even ready to play this year. Or, well, he says he is now. He says he's going to be ready for the opening training camp. I don't know. Maybe he is. He's a freak of nature like Adrian Peterson. So, And he's young. Um, 
But what 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 time machine? What could you have done to make these fans happy? You know, I think fans are pretty enamored with the sexy positions. So when you make tradebacks and those teams take wide receivers, good wide receivers with those picks, mm-hmm. it changes the narrative, right? I don't know if the Vikings can control that. I don't know if they can exactly know who a team is going to take. Maybe they had a hunch that the Packers were going wide receiver. Um, not sure about the Lions. But if the Lions move up and take Kenyon Green, like a guard, I don't think anybody's upset. I really don't. I think it's more about the player that those teams took. And I don't know if the Vikings are responsible, you know, to control what those teams do. Right. I think that, you know, certainly the, the Vikings walk out of this draft with a player in scene who may not be a starter right away, but he's a talented player. Um, Booth, you think is, he might start? I think he could be the, kind of the the utility corner for a little bit while he figures things out. I mean, I don't know if they necessarily got a lot of you know sexy positions like wide receiver they didn't draft a quarterback a lot of people wanted Malik Willis mm-hmm. um, but what they did do is they added a lot of defensive talent for down the road and they've had a, a void of young strong defensive talent now for a while so I, I think the early draft approach is actually pretty good mm-hmm. um, but I think the fans they look at who you could have had who your rivals took instead and they say, man, they didn't get this offense anything. And offense is what sells in this league. And the Vikings didn't really do a lot of that. Yeah, and so when you look at this draft, my favorite pick is going to have to be one. Andrew Booth is one. And I guess I don't have one. I can't just do one. I'm three. I like three. Andrew Booth is one. Brian Osamoa is two. And then my third is going to be a Caleb Evans out of Missouri. Um. The reason for it is the issue everybody talked about was cornerback. Well, what did they go do? Drafted two good cornerbacks. They also drafted a safety. They also drafted the guy in Brian Asamoah at linebacker. When you think about sub packages, uh, you're not going to leave Eric Kendricks and Jordan Hicks in the game in some passing situations, but you can bring in Brian Asamoah. Eric becomes your drop back guy or Asamoah does. He can move. He's fast. He's long. Um, and, and sorry, he's not long. He's fast. Six feet, 226 pounds. He reminds me of Cato June. And I reached out to Cato June, seven-year NFL vet, 2005 Pro Bowler, which was he was in our class as well, 2002, with myself and Ryan Clark. Um, and I reached out to Cato June, who's now the linebackers coach for the coach. He had said they were they were looking at uh, Asamoah. He, they were, they were going to possibly pick him because he liked him. He reminded him of himself. Um, he said he calls him slim because he is only 226 at linebacker, but he said he can run. Like he said, he can run, he can fly, he's he's instinctive. And I think that's going to be the key for this Vikings team. When you look at a guy that's fast, instinctive, uh, can, can hunt down quarterbacks, is blitzing, uh, he, he's very quick, he disguises it well. If he's not the like the, the first blitzer and he's that delayed linebacker blitz, uh, he can spy quarterbacks. You look at running quarterbacks that the Vikings are going to face on third down this year. Uh, you got Dak Prescott, you got Daniel Jones. You got Kyler Murray, and I wouldn't say Daniel Jones is a runner, but he can't run. Kyler Murray, Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers can hurt you with his legs. Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen has hurt the Vikings with his legs. <laughs> Not a traditional, we call him a runner, but he has hurt the Vikings with his legs. And then Taysom Hill, who knows what the New Orleans Saints are going to do um, with him. But when he's in the game, you do need somebody to spy him because he runs. Like, he's a he's a running, running back, quarterback, receiver. I don't know what he is. He's a he's a Swiss Army Knight. And so when you put a guy in, in, in the game that runs like Asamoah does, five Four, five, six was his 40, but he plays, they, they, you know, they put him on the catapult machine. He plays at 4-4 four, four speed. 
And so what that means is that he can help alleviate some of those big quarterback scrambles. When you watch him run sideline to sideline, it's like a lion chasing a gazelle. And so I like that pick as well. Sam, who was your favorite pick? I think it's probably um, a Caleb Evans for the the type of player he is and the value that you get in the fourth round for you know a corner that I, I feel like has traits of a first round or second round kind of guy. Like the measurables are there. Um, the size is excellent. There weren't mm-hmm. a lot of big tall corners in this draft. I felt like, and he was one of them, six foot two. Um, so for where you got him, day three of the draft, and and what his skills seem to indicate he can do, uh, feels like a really good steal in that fourth round. I, I do have my concerns about Booth from a health standpoint because you know while while he might say he feels good now, you know now's the off season. He's had mm-hmm. injuries every single year, and that's the red flag. That's why he wasn't a first round pick. So yeah. it could, that could also be an incredible steal if you get a guy that was bound for the first round fell because of injuries and then stays healthy, then you're golden. That's that's yeah. brilliant. Um, but it is a concern for me. Uh, I think Evans, though, at, at that position, uh, to get a good corner that late in the draft seems really quality to me. Uh, but up next, we got Ryan Clark. I mean, this is what everybody's been waiting for. This is what I've been waiting for. So happy we were able to get him. I know he's busy. Uh, but we got Ryan Clark coming up on the Ron Johnson Show, so stick around for that. Make sure to check out our other daily show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's a superior sports talk with CARE 11 Sports Director Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. Here, Reggie and Luke go back and forth about the latest Minnesota sports five days a week. Find it on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. We have guest Ryan Clark, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Washington football team. I don't know if he's going to go with the Commanders. (laughs) <laughs> um, are you you know let's start off with there are you gonna wear commander's t-shirts like if they send you some stuff are you rocking the commander's gear no you know what's crazy man is i don't really wear any former team stuff to to be honest uh i don't wear jerseys you know in that way even even when i go to my son's games i just wear lululemon or db <laughs> precision i don't i'm not like one of those people and the washington commanders really don't invite me back for anything not that oh. I, I I go to to be honest, but <laughs> you know I don't really have that connection to a city. I don't really have that connection to an organization like that. You know, with Pittsburgh, it, it was the people. You know, it's it, it's the family. You know, you still love the Rooney family, which were you know which they were good to me both on um, and off the field. Uh, obviously, Coach Tomlin is still there. I remember the people in the building so well. You know, they treated. They, they treated me well. We all became close, and the organization treated them well. So I think Pittsburgh would be the – obviously, I want a ton there. Pittsburgh would be the place that I'm closest to. But even then, them, if they sent me a jersey, I probably wouldn't wear it either, unless it had Troy uh, Palomalu or one of my <laughs> other teammates' name on it. Yeah, and, and Ryan, like, I felt a connection to Ryan. One, the 2002 draft class, I think we had one of the – in my opinion, I think we had one of the best – uh, draft class. You look at Julius Peppers. You look at Ray uh, Roy Williams. You look at Ed Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, when 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 everybody talks about the safety draft class of 2022, I think I'm not saying I'm one of the few, but not a lot of people realize Ryan Clark was in that class. I personally um, crossed paths with you because you were leaving Washington and I was mm-hmm. coming, um, and I only stayed there a couple months. I ended up getting cut, but 
um, that's how I started to know about who Ryan Clark was from guys like Sean Taylor from Santana Moss. Um, and then as we got older now, I've watched you. I've admired what you've done. You motivate me uh, to do more. And, and so my question to you, Ryan, is looking at that draft class, you know, and you look at those safeties and you probably, you know, you have more Super Bowls than Roy Williams. Um, what do you say to an undrafted player right now coming out when you look at, you know, other guys going ahead of them and what are they going to have to do to stay on the team? Well, you know what's so what's so crazy is normally after every draft, I have <clears throat> two or three conversations like right after the draft with people who are undrafted. Yep. You know whether it's they uh, DM me on Twitter because I follow them because they play my position or they've known me throughout their career. And I know some of those people are the few people that realize I'm undrafted. I was undrafted. You know, because a lot of times because you play for a long time because you're on TV, people don't necessarily necessarily no and i think uh, i try to always tell them what my mindset was and i can't at 22 i didn't understand this was my mindset but looking back on it i got it um i always believed i belonged and inversely i always behaved as if they felt like i didn't Mm -hmm. that was my thought process you know anytime if you're on the field with the ron johnson you know, who was drafted. If, if you're playing against a Jeremy Shockey, who was the first round draft pick of my draft, you had to step on the field and stand across from those people as if you belonged out there, as yeah. if as if you did start 39 games at LSU, as if you were all SEC. And you had to step on the field that way, but you also had to know that every day people didn't believe you belonged there because they thought you belonged there. One of these 32 teams and one of these seven rounds would have drafted you. And so every day when you're sitting in the meeting and and you outplay the draft pick, but no one says anything about your interceptions, no one says anything about you lining people up, no one says anything about your tackles or filling the lane, and then they do one thing and everybody in the room goes crazy, you got to realize that's because they don't think you belong there. And so every day was an interview for me. Every day I had to go out and prove it. And I felt that way for 13 years. You know, I remember when I got to Washington, I was, you know, oldest dinosaur pissed at that time. You know, they were trying to put this plan in for me to sit out practices in camp. Mm. And I was like, I ain't sitting out no practices. I was like, I don't need a break. You know, and that was just my mindset because I still felt like then I had to prove it, even though by that point I had proven to myself and to everyone else I belong. You know what? And you were leaving the Giants now that I think about it, going to the Steelers, right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, went, that... I went Giants to Washington. And, and then Washington, Washington to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right, That's I knew it was something else in there because I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I knew there was a New York connection in there somehow. Yep. And so, Ryan, looking at this draft class, and I've equated this to the Ed Reed versus Roy Williams. Uh, you look at Kyle Hamilton versus Lewis Seen, mm-hmm. and everybody's questioning where somebody's drafted. Ed Reed was drafted after Roy Williams. Yep. Of course, you know, Roy had all the highlights. You know, he had all the the, the stuff, and then Ed had all the, the corners, he had the big class out of Miami that year. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, you know, the most first rounders for one team or something like that. So when you look at Kyle Hamilton versus Lewis Seen coming to the Vikings, what are the Vikings getting in the Lewis Seen? I think the I think the Vikings won. They get a player that from a run and hit standpoint is the best safety in this draft. I do believe Kyle had more ball production, right? Or or, or and what the disruptions and you know what that is that's interceptions yeah. that's you know turning the football over i think kyle had probably more wild plays 
than Lewis seeing. But I, I still believe Lewis has more range. It doesn't mean he tracks the ball better or gets to the ball better. He has more range. He's a, he's a, a faster, more explosive player than Kyle is. We also have to keep this in mind, Ron. And I am Minnesota. I am not saying that Lewis Seen would be a better, better pro than Kyle Hamilton. Don't y'all start that after <laughs> Ron plays this interview. But here's what I'll say, Ron. Think about the fact that Trayvon Walker was the first overall pick of the draft. Yeah. And everybody's talking about his numbers. Well, you know, man, it's, it's easier to get to the bone when you're the biggest dog chasing it, right? If you played for Georgia, there was 11 of them out there, which, which is evident by 15 players from that school being drafted. And so I think Lewis Seen is going to be one of those players that actually has more production in the NFL than he did um, in college. And then if you watch him, and maybe it's the way, it's the way I love the game to be played, like he's like a real-life killer. You yeah. know, in, in, in a day and age where – you know, targeting is huge in college or an NFL unnecessary roughness is huge. This is a dude that seeks and destroys. And I think that's still of high value in football and in the NFL. Obviously, you have to do it within within the rules, but I think he can do that. And so um, he's an extremely confident player. Uh, he was a high school All-American, huge recruit, you know, played from the time he stepped foot at Georgia. You know how hard that is, Ron. And I yeah. think I think you got a, a true first-round safety, a true uh, plug-and-play guy based on the type of things he was ha he had to be able to uh, to digest, right, and then regurgitate at Georgia. And I think it's a good pick uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, when you look at the draft as a whole, and so we're, we're going to take a look at the, the trades. This is Kwesi Adolfo Mensa's first year, Kevin O'Connell's mm -hmm. first year as head coach. Um, I know personally the Ravens would never trade with the Steelers. Like, I don't think they would be able to do it, you know, mentally. I just think they would say, you know, screw this. Somebody else has to be want to trade with us. Um, but the Vikings did it twice. They traded with the Lions and then the Packers. And so a lot of fans were, were um, pissed off. You know, they didn't understand the purpose of helping the Packers out in the trade. You know, you see it on the media. Everybody's saying the Vikings got fleeced. I heard it this morning on the way into work. Same thing. Everybody on talk radio, the Vikings got fleeced. I watched ESPN. Everybody, you know, a lot of people are questioning that trade. In your opinion, because nobody's put pads on yet, um, do you see that as a big fail or do you see that as possibly just a learning experience for Quasi Adolfo? You know, I, I think I think it's a, a learning experience, but. We also have to realize, even if he does have the last say in the room, those rooms are about conversations. Yeah. Right. And so when, when you hire people who are experienced and you hire people who have gone through drafts before, they're a part of those conversations. And I think that those conversations are less about who you're helping and how you're helping your team yeah. or how you are putting your team in the negative or hurting your team. And I guess after having those conversations, they felt like those trades helped them more in the future than the player that the Green Bay Packers or the Detroit Lions would pick. And now, <clears throat> I think that's more of a, at least in, in my opinion, that's more of a feelings thing, right? Yep. And businesses can't run off feelings. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. the, the, the fans said, the you know talk radio says it. Yeah, because, you know, we get into feelings. The, the, the fans feel 
everything, but they ain't paying no money for nothing. Right. right? They ain't paying no money for these players. They're, they're not the people in the draft rooms trying to draft them. And then on talk radio, hell, we just need topics. It's a great topic. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because it doesn't really truly have an answer. An answer. It's about subjectivity. And so, you know, I, I believe if it can help your class, you know, these are certain things that you do. If it can help your draft, if it can help your team. Uh, uh, Watson from North Dakota State might be an amazing wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, he may he may turn out to be Jordy Nelson. Right now, he's not. And you also don't get on the phone with the Packers and go, um, well, are you going to move up to take a wide receiver? And if so, what wide receiver is that? Because right. it's the wide receiver that we want. We're not going to, you know, it's not how it works. And so um, they were going to find a way to move up anyway. Hopefully, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, you use that to, you know, get everything you possibly wanted from this draft. And I think when when you get a guy like Andrew Booth, who, you know, I felt, you know, was a first round talent where you do, that kind of equals out to me. Yeah. And so, yeah, look at looking at who they got, you know, as they as they moved up, they moved back, you know, Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, Ed Ingram out of your school, uh, mm-hmm. LSU, uh, Brian Asamoah or Asamoah. Everybody's going back and forth on that one um, out of Oklahoma. And so they've added a lot of pieces. And then they got a guy to Missouri that I like in a Caleb Evans. Yeah. Six, two long uh, reminds me of like a a Ike Taylor Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, like he has that kind of body or even Xavier Rhodes, like he's long, uh, Mm -hmm. has high vertical, real good broad jump. And so when you look at a kid and top end speed, you know, when you look at a kid like kid like that, you know, the Vikings can't say they won, but day one, everybody was giving the Vikings A's. Day two, everybody's giving the Vikings A's and B's. And then day three, overall, now they're saying D's and F's. Um, does that matter? Because I know you talked about topics, or is it when the pads come on, we never know what's really going to happen anyway? You know, it's so, you know, it's so crazy. You know, the, the, the bottom half of the draft is actually the hardest to evaluate. Right. You know, like, like you don't know, like when those guys fall to those positions, like you don't know something you mentioned that I think is something people have to pay a ton uh, of attention to. Right. When you're talking about a Caleb Evans, you mentioned the vertical, you mentioned the length, the explosiveness. When you start drafting at those parts of the draft, it's like, okay, I can go get this, you know, five ten corner who, played really good and was, you know, all ACC, this and this, who's probably tapped out on what he's going to be. Or I could go get this physical freak that I can now teach certain things, that I can now allow to learn the game and progress mentally and use all of those skills, all of those measurables to the best of his ability. That's a draft to win in the fourth round. You know what I mean? Like, like, like yeah. that's a, that's what you're looking for in those positions. And if you look at Lewis scene and Andrew Booth the way I do, you know you got two first rounders in the secondary this year. Yeah. Andrew Booth had the the hernia surgery, I believe it was, in the offseason, wasn't mm-hmm. able, you know, to perform, wasn't able to go out there, but he's a four three guy, right? Four four guy. He's a guy with an extremely high vertical. He's a dude, if anybody who's ever watched his film has some of the best ball skills this side of Derek Stingley in this draft, which to me says he's the next best from ball awareness. He's the next best guy. And that doesn't mean that he's better than sauce. But what I'm saying is the talent level there is so high. And so, you know, to me, I believe you, you address some areas of need. And now if you want to be upset that, you know, they traded some picks 
within the division. I guess you can do that and try to knock them from a draft standpoint. But I believe they have a draft that's given them the ability to fill some holes this year and also down the line develop some of these players that were drafted late into starters. And I think that's a smart draft, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, last one for you, Ryan. So players are going to, you know, look at these type of interviews. They're going to, you know, they watch ESPN too. It's a totally different era um, Mm -hmm. where it's on in the locker room. It's on in the weight room. Mm -hmm. Um, I was over at the Vikings facility for the draft. Every TV had ESPN or Fox or somebody going. So, yeah. And the players are just, I mean, they're eating a salad in the lunchroom. It's on. Mm -hmm. And so if you could give advice to a player and say, Hey, I'm on ESPN. I won Super Bowls. I played, but this is what you should also be doing during the season. Uh, if you want to look at your post career, uh, what, what would you tell them to be doing heading, you know, into these next four to eight years of their life? Yeah. You know, what's so crazy, man, is for the first four or eight years, all I really did was football, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest, um, Football has opened up doors for me uh, that I know wouldn't be open if I didn't play for 13 years. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily like I'm not on ESPN without being a Pittsburgh Steeler. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it was an opportunity to be on a team that won championships or that was contending for championships year in and year out and be a good player on that team. And so the first thing I would say is focus on your craft. Absolutely. When the season is in, that's what you should be focused on. You shouldn't be focused on what your money is doing. You you should hire somebody to do that for you. You shouldn't be focused on what's going on outside of your family and your loved ones, because that's not your business at those times. Now in the off season, it was about in your off season. It's about learning, right? It's about understanding off season. I would go to ESPN and eventually became an intern at ESPN, which led me to my job there. I would work at uh, training facilities. And, and, and try to learn, you know, different techniques and different ways of programming, which led me to owning my own facility now. And so in the off season, I think that's the time where you start to look at things you may like to do or options you can have off of the field once you're, you know, once your playing days are over. But mm-hmm. football's first, right? I'm just going to be honest with you, man. You know, after your faith, after your family, the only thing that you should be concerned with is football. My wife has the same which I found endearing during my career. Uh, and now I know it was her just being kind of pissed off with me. She said, uh, she would always say, nice bad, bro. She would always say, Ryan did football and I did everything else. And at the time I was like, yeah, that's right, baby. Like I do football. I work out hard, <laughs> I train, this and this. You know, then I realized she, you know, for, <laughs> then I realized for her, it was, you know, when, he had to stay after and do treatment or he had to stay after and watch video. I lugged around three kids, you know, when it was an off season, I had to go train, you know, she helped me pack the house up and we went to Arizona to train, you know, she made sure that everybody was back and ready for school when, when I was in training camp. And I think the, the good part about that is I was 100% focused on my craft. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get every ounce out of this at the time, 105 foot 11, 192 pound undrafted free agent body, right? I played 13 years. I, I, I retired in November because I knew I couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, you miss out on some things too. And so it's going to be some, some give and take in it, man, but focus on your craft first. 
uh, continue to expand uh, your boundaries, continue to push the envelope of who you are as a human, uh, be good to people, because as you know now, Ron, a lot of those people that walk through those locker rooms, a lot of those producers you see, a lot of those businesses, you know, that love you while you're playing, they don't really love you as much when you're not, but they will remember the way you treated them. They yeah. will remember the way you were when you got an opportunity to meet them. And, yeah. you know, the final thing is, man, every day's an interview. Whether you're on the field or off, somebody's always watching and they're always going to remember how you made them feel. Well, yeah, man, I want to thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, Ryan Clark, I'm proud of you, man. Like, you're Appreciate doing it, it as a black man, as a father, everything, man. Like, I, I never see anything negative about you in, in the media besides Twitter. Like, you, some reason, for some reason, you piss people off when you get on ESPN. <laughs> hey, I, yeah, I'm not a... I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not everybody's favorite most of the time <laughs> on, on, on the Twitter, but you know what? Twitter ain't real life. Hey, I got your back though, man. So no, appreciate you joining me. That's Ryan Clark. Up next, we got the daily three. That's three questions, three minutes. We'll be back after this. Do you want smart post game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Get instant reactions from our Locked On team hosts, along with prominent reporters like Kevin Gorg for the Wild, Brandon Warren for the Twins, and Chalanga Langison for the Timberwolves. No fluff, just 10 minutes of straight analysis after each game. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. Well, like I promised, the time is now. It's the Daily Three. That's three questions. Three minutes. Take it away, Sam. All right. We got to talk about the Timberwolves who lose another fourth quarter lead on Friday. They lose the series in six games. The season is over for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, Ron, what is your lasting impression of this playoff series that the Wolves lose four games to two to the Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah, uh, the one word that's in my mind is unfinished business. I think that should be their mantra going into the offseason and then starting next season. Um, they didn't finish the job. You know, if they were hitmen, I wouldn't pay them because the body's not dead. Like, they basically shot a couple warning shots. Like, I'm putting this in hitman terms. Why? Because I love the movie Hitman. I love those kind of movies. Fired a couple warning shots. Um, maybe threw a smoke grenade into the apartment. But then they fell in love. Like, if you've seen the movie Hitman, he actually falls in love with, like, his target and a possible target of other hitmen. And that's a no-no. Hitmen don't have feelings. Like, you can't fall in love. And, and, and I say that because I feel like they fell in love with the moment. Like, they fell in love with the stuff. They fell in love with being in the playoffs, celebrating that seventh game, you know, playing game win, that seventh, you know, seventh seed playing game win. Uh, I feel like they fell in love with the John Morant, T. Morant, Carl Anthony Towns, daddy story. Uh, the John Morant, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, you know, friendship. Uh, the Usher, you know, T. Morant lookalike. I mean, they fell in love with the moment. And then I feel like, you know, some of the comments being made, like Carl Anthony Towns, oh, we're, we're home now. Like, they got to they gotta deal with us at home now. And then you lose. And then T. Morant or John Morant can make fun of you. Like, it felt like every time, you know, they grittied after one of the games. And then what does T. Mor or John Morant do? He gritties after they knock him out. Like, it was just too much of trying to be, you know, these sound bites, these, like, wannabe uh, – 
persona gangster. Like, be what you are. Be a team. Um, I look back at, like, team wins that won championships that you're really like, who? Like, who? Like, the Raptors. There wasn't, like, a moment or a guy, other than Drake, the rapper. <laughs> like, <laughs> the you know, loaning them his plane so they can fly to games. And, like, there wasn't really a guy. You know, there was no LeBron Kyrie on that Raptors team. Uh, it was just a team. They went out there and played. They had big moments. Kawhi, you know, showed up and hero balled them into the Sixers win with the late heroics. But I just feel like that's my lasting impression that being up 20, being up 20, being up 10 with four minutes to go, uh, not utilizing timeouts when teams are going to 8 0 runs and just not being able uh, to do it. Like my daughter's volleyball team, same thing this weekend. Um, final set of the not championship we were in the second place game um champion was already crowned because they had beaten everybody so now the game we were playing it was for second place but they were up in the final set like i don't know eight to one my daughter had rattled off like and she's only 11 but she can already jump serve she had rattled off seven great jump serves and was just dinging them aces and everything uh, i actually posted a couple of those on my instagram that's three ron johnson on instagram if you want to check it out but their coach, the other team, calls a timeout. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Girls come out. They go on a 4-0 run. Our coach doesn't call a timeout. And that's where I'm like, you know what? The minute they went on a 4-0 run, just call a timeout quick. Like, just get the girls back and say, hey, we're up 8-4. to four. All you got to do is get a side out, and we're going to put the pressure back on them. Ends up being, I want to say, 12-12, to 12, and then 14-12, uh, to 12, and then our best server comes up, and we just can't get it done. Uh, or one of our better servers comes up. Um, cause of course I'm going to say my daughter's the best cause she can, <laughs> she can jump serve. Um, but yeah, it, it, and so I thought about that. That's, that's the lasting impression. You know, I told my daughter that I'm like, remember that feeling and take it. Cause now we're in softball season. I'm like, take it in the softball season, you know, take that, that feeling of like having the lead or not doing what you're supposed to do the entire game, you know, cause one lackadaisical point turned into four. Um, you know, momentum is, is key in all sports. And I think that's what I'm going to remember. I remember not being able to get it closed out. Yeah, you know, the narrative was that the Wolves had really won four of the five games. They'd been the better team. They they led for most of the time. Well, when you blow three leads in the fourth quarter, that is a developed skill that the Wolves have not learned. And, and yeah. that means that they were not the better team. If that happens over and over and over again, it's not an anomaly. That's part of their makeup is that they just don't know how to finish games. So you can't say that you were the better team in that series when you lose those leads late. Uh, the Minnesota Wild begin their playoff push tonight, 8.30 Central Time against the Blues at XL Energy Center. So, Ron, I want your series prediction. Who wins the series and in how many games? Um, I'm not well-versed on the Wild, I'd say. Um, I'm a casual, as people would call me. Um, I can watch it. Um, I will watch playoffs because I know it's fun. It's a lot more exciting in the playoffs. Um, the intensity's up. That's any sport. The playoffs makes it just like that's why I love the softball college world series. It's the intensity is it's up. Uh, girls are going at it. Um, I'm gonna say wild. They get two at home, they got two on the road, and then they have to come home and then they go on the road and they're home. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say wild and six. Um, I think they can probably get it done in five, maybe, but I'm gonna say wild and six. Why? Because it's sports. Uh, the blues, like it, it, the difference in hockey now, after I look at it too, it's not like one plays eight. You have to play somebody, you know, the, the one team in your division. I don't really like 
how hockey after I like researched it a little bit. I don't like that. Like, why am I playing a really good team to start off? And I guess all the teams, because it's everybody's doing that. And then the one team gets it because the top team gets a buy, right? Is that how it works? The top team plays one of the two wild cards. The, the wild the, cards. Okay. The wild it. cards are the, yeah, they are the, so top three from each division. And then the next two best are the wild yep. cards. Got it. And so, right. So now they're going to play one of the wild cards um, in this. And so one plays a wild card, two plays three, basically. Um, I guess it makes it better the way they split up all these divisions like that and so many different ones. Um, I just think it that's tough. Like it's tough to do it. So it's anybody's game. It's not like one team's dominant. Like they both are fighting for home ice at the very end. So it's even more intense. But I'll give it. I mean, home ice. I'll give it to them. Like anytime you got your fans helping you out, I'll give it to the Wild. Wild and five. Or well, I mean, sorry, Wild and six. I'm gonna go Wild and five. Okay. I think they. I think they win all the home games in this series. They get one on the road. And St. Louis is good, but I don't know who's stopping the Wild right now. The way they're playing. Um, this feels like a team that could go the distance. I know it's, I'm jinxing it. They're probably going to get a limit <laughs> sweat now, but this feels like a team that has that, that capability. Um, uh, Ron, I got to get your take on the Gophers that were drafted. We touched on Astasia Yotamewo, mm -hmm. but I want to hear, you know, Boye Mafe, Coquif, uh, Daniel Falele all got drafted, uh, over the weekend as well. So who do you think is going to have the brightest NFL future? Uh, that's hard. I, I can't do that one. I'm going to say, this is what I will say. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think Boye going to a deficient team like the Seahawks who traded away their world uh, with the Broncos and let Russell Wilson go. They, you know, they, they've just not been the Legion of Boom anymore. Uh, kind of started from scratch. Um, I'll say Boye Mafe in that stadium and in that crowd, the, the type of style defense they play where it's loose and wild and they like to get after the quarterback, as we've seen. Uh, when they play the Vikings, um, I'm going to say Boye, I don't say, I'm not going to say longer, but I'm just going to say he's going to have a, a pretty solid career. Uh, Dan Lele, that's, I, I did a, a Ravens uh, interview about that because he's a gopher and to the Ravens and same with me. And so um, I did the same thing last year with Rashad Bateman. So they called me again about doing Dan Lele. And I, I think athletically, like the way that team plays, it's going to be a question mark because um, it's not a sit in the pocket QB. It's a different style offense, so it'll be interesting to see how he does there. Um, but the one surprise, I will say, uh, if he had more time, I would say Coquif. And I mean time, not in him, but in Tom Brady. If he had more time with Tom Brady, I would say Coquif. Um, why? Because Tom Brady loves tight ends. He loves them. I mean, turn Gronk into an absolute, like, I, I look at draft comparisons of Gronk when he came out of Arizona, and people were saying, like, oh, that's a dumb pick. Like, I don't see it. I don't see him having a long career, blah, blah. Look at him. And and Gronk, I love Gronk because he somebody tweeted that out, that draft, whatever deal, after the, the pick was made. And he was just like, and he tagged it. I mean, Gronk tweeted at the guy who did it too. He's like, hey, what do you, what do you think now? <laughs> so I, I love that because I know Gronk was seriously sitting there probably having a, a, having a beer with his brothers and just like, hey, man, look at this idiot. Let's tweet to him. You know, and then he tweets to the guy, and I, I I didn't see if the guy ever responded back, but I love that kind of stuff. And so when I think about Coquif with Tom Brady, Tom Brady is smart, man. Like he can make. I mean, he got Tyler Johnson some early touchdowns, had some great plays with Tyler Johnson. So, uh, you know, Coquif's going another going to a team when you know people, you know Antoine Winfield now, you know Tyler Johnson. Those are your teammates. Like it's gonna be so much uh, more comfortable for him. 
Uh, but when you look at him as a blocker in the backfield, you look at, I mean, he's bigger than people know. He's 6'5". Like, he's a tall kid. He looks like a fullback, but he's tall. Um, so I think the Bucs can turn him into a nice NFL player. Uh, but that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank you guys for joining me. Please go back and watch, if you have not, the Ryan Clark interview. It was probably one of the best I've had uh, all year. Ryan Clark gave us a lot of great info. Uh, we touched on the Vikings draft picks. You tell us your grade. Tweet to us, Instagram, whatever you want to do. Comment. Tell us your grade for the Vikings draft class. Uh, but make sure you download and subscribe on YouTube to Locked On Sports Minnesota and find the Ron Johnson Show as well. And also you can download and take us anywhere, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.